everyone. Welcome to The Funnel, an experience-driven commerce podcast. I'm Shannon Abel, Media Marketing Specialist at Blue Acorn ICI and host. Each episode, I interview customer experience experts to discuss the latest trends and topics that matter most to brand and retail professionals. Today, we have with us Adam Coyle, CEO at Digital River. Today, we're going to be talking about top strategies to win globally with a personalized and localized direct-to-consumer channel. But before we hop in, Adam, do you mind just giving a quick intro about yourself and Digital River? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm, as as you said, I'm I'm Adam Coyle. I'm the CEO of Digital River. I've been CEO with Digital River for about two and a half years. Uh, My background was really in the payments industry and uh, joined Digital River uh, largely because I had been working with our private equity owner and saw just a tremendous opportunity to help the business grow and expand. In essence, what Digital River does is we provide an integrated solution for all of the back-end functions of e-commerce, enabling brands to really take advantage of the opportunity to sell globally. As I like to describe it, we do everything that happens after you hit the buy button, integrating payments, tax, risk, fraud, and compliance into a single solution with a single through a single connection that greatly simplifies the, the challenge of selling in the global market for brands who want to sell direct to their customers. Uh, we do that for some of the largest brands in the world, and we do it all over the world. It's, uh, it's an exciting time to be in this business, and uh, I'm really pleased to be here. Thank you for joining us. You know, with over 2 billion online shoppers, obviously expanding globally is a massive opportunity for any company. But when is the right time for a brand to start thinking about ex- expanding globally, and what are some of the benefits? Yeah, you know, that's a great question because um, it varies based on kind of who you are as a brand. If you're a, if you're a brand that's just starting out in global sales, um, you may want to think about starting small in many cases uh, and, and see how it goes. In other cases, you may want to go uh, across the globe because your brand has enough strength and you've uh, identified enough opportunity. What we see in our customers is that most of them start to think about expanding globally when they realize that people who are visiting their websites are coming from other other geographies. And that indicates that there's demand for their products. Um, Many of them have started with an approach where they uh, launch their international expansion with a a marketplace. And that can be a very good strategy as an initial effort, you know, to try and gauge the level of demand uh, for markets outside of their domestic market. But for many of the customers that we work with, and we tend to work with upper mid-market or mid-market and enterprise level customers, they've already identified a need or demand, I think, for their products and services in different global markets. Um, it may not be evenly distributed around the world. They may have uh, you know, recognized that there's greater demand for their services in one region versus another, but we can help craft with them a solution that will enable them to take advantage of that opportunity wherever it might be you know, on the most efficient way possible. So there isn't really necessarily one right time to expand globally. Um, it can be as simple as, uh, you know, if you're a small business who wants to sell in the global market, leveraging the capabilities of a marketplace as an initial matter. But if you're bigger, it, it could be, uh, you know, a much broader kind of uh, approach. I think the simple answer to the question is the time is now. <laughs> as we're seeing tremendous demand across all uh, all, all categories for uh, cross-border purchases of goods and services. And it, it is a tremendously uh, exciting and dynamic time in this market because there is so much demand and expansion in the global 
e-commerce marketplace driven by things like COVID, obviously, as people are sourcing or looking for new sources of uh, to, to obtain goods and services that they might have gone to another channel for in the past. Right. And the other day, I found a D2C brand that is based out of, I believe, um, Singapore through probably an Instagram ad or something and bought something from them. But that's a brand I probably never would have found otherwise. And it's something I normally would have gone to the store and buy, but because of COVID, I'm obviously limiting my visits to the store. So like you said, it's just a great opportunity for those brands to enter new markets and find new customers. Yeah, it's a really good point because, you know, as a, in, in certain categories, and that gets back to my, my question is it, it kind of depends on who you are. You know, if you're in a consumer goods category, uh, the world is your marketplace. You know, when you're you're present on the web, I mean, consumers from all over the world can find your products. You know, if you're in a market that's a little bit more um, uh, curated, if you will, uh, in in perhaps B two B, and you're selling a a, a product that is only relevant in uh, certain contexts or certain buyers, then it's a little more challenging, and you have to think about how are you going to get the word out about your product in these new markets. Some of it can really be driven by you know the success you've already seen in them. But uh, there's no bad time, I think, to, you know, obviously, I, I think everyone would agree, there's no bad time to look for new markets and look for new places to sell. And uh, what we're finding is that uh, our customers, even in those more, uh, I'll call it curated markets, of things like B2B and, and stuff like that, are finding that it's easier to enter new markets through the e-commerce channel than they ever imagined. So that many clients are uh, going e-commerce first into to new markets as their expansion strategy, rather than waiting to see that uh, the demand build from other channels before they launch, because it's efficient. Right. Like you said, with the new technology, it's easier than ever to grow globally. But once you grow globally, even, or even before you even enter a new market, there's, of course, other cultural nuances brands should be thinking about um, as they go into that market. So what are some of the things that a brand needs to think about before they launch a new D2C channel? Yeah, I think that's a, um, a great thought because I think it's not enough just to put your, your, your website up and, and hope that people will flock to it and be able to buy from you. Um, they may flock to it, but um, have you really made it easy for them to buy from you? You know, are you offering the kinds of payment types that your foreign customers or your, you know, not your non-domestic market customers are, are familiar with using? And uh, have, you, have you set up distribution in a way that can provide a good experience for them so that they'll continue to come back? All of this gets into this concept of localization. And uh, we talk a lot about localization on the front end of the transaction. The things that maybe seem obvious, the idea that you, you know, your um, global stores in you know, different languages and perhaps featuring different uh, products or services that might be more relevant in those regions, um, or even offering the types of payments that are are typical in those regions and that are going to be familiar for customers and that they're going to have the ability um, to facilitate their transactions. But it really gets into a lot of other more subtle nuanced things. And uh, being as that we focus on the back end of the transaction, we think localization of the back end of the transaction is as important or even more important in some ways than the, I'll call it the obvious components of localization that you think of on the front end of the transaction. Those things like, you know, you know, putting your website in different languages and things like that. You know, on the back end of the transaction, it becomes very much about how are you going to do the supply chain aspects of um, your uh, e-commerce transaction? Are you going to manage your fulfillment cross-border or are you going to do it through an onshore presence um, using inventory that you've already sort of pre-positioned either onshore in that particular country or, or in region? 
You know, how are you going to manage the payment types? How are you going to manage refunds on those payment types in those in those regions? Are the are they set up to you know accept refunds? How do how do they operate? What is the consumer expectation there? You know, you may have different kinds of generational preferences, you know, that uh, aren't applicable in your home geography, but are very applicable in that that new country that you need to be sensitive to, because uh, I think everybody agrees that not only entering uh, that entering new markets are important, but you, what you're really looking to do is build long-term sustainable customer relationships. And that really comes from the experience that the customer has through the entire process of buying from you. So that localization, which we, I said, often think of as being that front end, that you know, first customer acquisition piece is really about the whole flow of the transaction. And that's really where we specialize. You know, we largely, as I said, focus on the back end and focus on how do we provide a localized experience uh, for your customers on the back end of the transaction, everything that happened after you hit the buy button. Right, and that really helps brands create that consistent experience no matter where they're interacting with that customer. I think it was Gartner that said that for uh, customers are four and a half times more likely to purchase if they see that consistency in their shopping experience. So obviously it's a very key element in being successful long-term when entering a new market. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it is all about building the relationship with the customer. Um, and that's that, uh, and it's key that you uh, not only work on it on the front end, but you really create that, that expectation that, uh, their experience is going to be localized to them all the way through. And you touched on this earlier, but is a D2C channel always the right way to go when entering a new market? You talked about also starting with the marketplace. Is there ever, is one way or the other ever better for a brand? Yeah, you know, um, it, it kind of ties into the, this kind of concept of localization is how do you think about how you open up new global markets? And what we often see, and uh, I won't take complete credit for this because I've seen it in some trade publications as well, this concept of the evolution of your strategy that if you're, you're small and you're just breaking in, maybe the marketplace is the right way to make your first foray into um, a, a new global market. And that as you grow from that, you may look at saying, you know, I'm going to do uh, direct cross-border fulfillment. And then ultimately when the, you know, your market is stronger, you might say, I want to do it onshore. And, you know, and, and basically create a presence, if you will, whether it's virtual or real in, in that country. Importantly, though, I think the direct to customer channel is a, a critical component of that and how you think about that. You know, one of the challenges people experience with the marketplace approach is that disintermediation from the customer the customer really becomes the marketplace's customer, not your customer. And while that might be a great vehicle to acquire new customers because the marketplace provides a convenient way for people to find out about your goods, all right? People who don't know about you, you know, have an opportunity to go to the, the marketplace and find out about you. It isn't a good experience, I think, for your best customers, the people who already have experience with you and have already decided that they like your products. And so that we see that developing that direct-to-customer channel is really strategically important for developing the relationship with your best customers, the people who are going to continue to come back to you, who are going to want to buy from you directly because they've already bought into your brand promise, if you will, the, the quality of your products and, and things like that. Um, you have the ability with a direct-to-customer channel to create your own experience independent of a 
marketplace or somebody else who, you know, as I said, kind of disintermediates you from that and really build that relationship with the cons that, that customer. Um, you know, the, the other benefits are clearly, you know, that you get direct knowledge and information about your customers so that you can better inform the decisions you make about getting new additional customers, you know, learning what people in that market like, learning what their preferences are, learning how they like to buy, are all information that you'll get out of that direct to customer channel that's really very opaque to you in a, in a marketplace. We think both of those channels have their place in e-commerce, no, don't, don't get me wrong, but um, one without the other is only a, a, a half strategy and quite frankly, not uh, the one that's going to be the most effective long term. You know, it can be challenging, I think, for uh, a lot of businesses that are looking at saying, okay, I, you know, the marketplace is easy, but how do I build this direct-to-customer channel? And uh, the reality is, um, while that was harder 10 years ago, today with solutions like ours and uh, like other solutions that you can bring in, the market has evolved to make it relatively easy to develop that channel. Systems integrators like uh, Blue Acorn and others can put together a solution that will really drive a very seamless experience for a direct-to-customer channel. And that's, that's why we're so excited about the market because there's never been an opportunity or a time that where it's been easier, I think, to build this channel on a global basis. With most modern commerce platforms, is it fairly easy to um, reuse that D2C channel to enter another market without having to completely build a whole new D2C channel? Absolutely. And, you know, the, the beauty of it is, is, you know, the, a lot of these solutions now have been designed to be sort of plug and play. And obviously you can focus then on the, the inner aspects that, that get to that concept of localization, putting things in the right languages, but, but the modularity of the platforms today, and whether, whether it's our solution or the solutions of some of our partners who provide the commerce solution, um, has never been greater. So that making the decisions you want to make about how you're going to serve a particular market and how you're going to localize your experience are really very relatively straightforward and easy. I won't say it's completely simple or anything like that. No, there's always there's always challenges, but um, it's never been easier, certainly today, than, than, than it has been in the past. We've built this whole industry now. It's amazing because of the expansion of global e-commerce that, uh, you know, this whole, a whole industry has evolved to, you know, facilitate the kinds of expectations that consumers now have. Next day delivery you know, across the world um, and easy returns. Um, all of those are, you know, capabilities that quite frankly didn't exist even maybe five years ago, but because of market demand uh, exists today. So the brands, even brands that have been late to the game and haven't really thought about getting into the global selling, find that it's relatively easy to implement a, a global channel because of the solutions that are available to them. And like I said, it's really just all about adjusting that end-to-end -end customer experience for localization and making sure that everything from the posts purchase emails to even what they might see on social media really aligns to what they're seeing on the homepage as well. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many components that you, you have to think of. I mean, I think the key is, um, <laughs> quite frankly, as we tell people, why would you try and do this yourself at this point? The solutions that are out there that can be brought together to craft a truly differentiated and really somewhat customized experience for the needs of your particular business have never been greater. And um, the, the only question I, I ask for people is, and we, we still periodically see people who sort of try and do it themselves. 
And um, I, I think that's not the way to go now because the solutions that, that exist in the marketplace that can be delivered, you know, through a competent partner, um, I have, have, uh, have never been greater and, and, and really to provide a truly special experience. I mean, the experiences that you see people having now in transactions that um, you would have never contemplated could happen. You know, it's a, I would have never thought that I could buy something uh, from a merchant in Italy <laughs> and uh, have the same kind of experience that I would if I bought it from um, a merchant across the street. Uh, the same type of delivery experience, the same type of return experience, the same type of payment experience, same level of you know, communication from, as you say, you know, from the emails and things like that, that that merchant in Italy can, can, can provide to me. And uh, it, it's seamless. You mentioned how, you know, one of the biggest benefits of a D2C channel is that customer data you get to own and capture. Mm-hmm. Are there specific data points that a brand should be looking at when they're entering a new market? Is it, or is it fairly similar than anytime they're launching a new DSC channel? Yeah, it kind of depends on, you know, who and what you are. But the, 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 the beauty of the D2C channel is that the richness of the data that you can capture, right? And understanding who your customer is understanding how people are buying. For example, I mean, depending on if you're a a consumer goods merchant, you may really want to understand at a very uh, granular level what people's payment patterns look like. When do they, how much do you have to ask of them? How how many steps do you have to put them through before you can get them to enter their payment credentials and make the sort of definitive decision to buy? We see a lot right now being developed around checkout experience. And that's a very big component of what we do as an organization is checkout experience. And uh, what we see is that in, in different markets around the world, the expectation of the customer is very different because the checkout experience is in many ways highly dependent upon a couple of things. One is the payment type that's being selected. And number two is the shipping pattern that's being employed. And one size fits all checkout experience isn't going to work for every market in every situation, I'll call it a trading pattern, <laughs> if you will, that uh, is being employed. So getting the data around that, I mean, having the experience of actually doing it with a customer better informs future decisioning. And uh, your channel can become just that much more efficient over time because you've gained the experience from you know, understanding how your customers are buying from you. And that's not something you get in a marketplace environment. That's, that's something the marketplace does and, and you never see it. So uh, you just don't have any idea what what's going on. Absolutely. And do you find that when brands enter a new market and they have this new pool of customer data, does that help them also improve their home local market as well? As far as th- that customer experience or maybe ideas for new products? It's an interesting question. And uh, I think we have seen in some cases, brands basically tailoring their products to the needs of, of different markets. But I like, I really like the question because does, does the value of having a global, a global direct customer channel really inform what you think you know in your home market, whatever that may be. And I think it certainly can influence certain merchant categories more than others. And the consumer goods 
consumer products kind of categories, I think, are probably positively influenced by the experience that the brand has in selling in other markets. What sells really well in one market may not sell really well in others. I think of the you know the example of fashion retailers, who buy or produce fashion items for a limited season, perhaps, and uh, never really know whether the the red dress is going to sell really well in Southern California or it's going to sell better in Germany. And uh, one of the things that we work with brands on doing is thinking about how they're going to set up their fulfillment and stuff like that so that they can be reactive when something is selling better in one market than it is in the other. So in that sense, I think that um, having that global channel, it does better inform or, or perhaps allow you to better, better informs how you operate your business. Because if you're if you do it right, you can build in the kinds of uh, supply chain agility that will allow you to maximize your sales around the world. Probably not a direct answer to your question, but it's an interesting one that I'm going to ponder on because uh, it's not one I have thought about a lot. Is what benefits does the does a, a brand get from having that in the in their domestic market, having the global channel? Your answer was great. Thank you. Okay. Right, thanks. It's, like, I, it's always fun when you, when you do this and, and you leave having more questions to answer for yourself than, mm-hmm. than you've answered. But, um, yeah. Anything else you'd like to talk about before we wrap up? I think the, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a, certainly a lot of things we could talk about. I mean, there's the, the front end consumer experience is not to be minimized and don't get me wrong, but uh, as somebody who focuses on the back end, I think one of the things that we we try and advise customers who are looking at uh, building out their global experience is to really not neglect that backend experience. And it goes beyond just the idea of, you know, having an ability to fulfill a product and and, get, and take a return. You mentioned things like the email follow-up and stuff like that. I think customers' experiences are um, certainly evolving and their expectations are growing with every interaction, they, e-commerce interaction they have, and they're having more and more of them. And to be really effective as a global seller, you have to be able to really become an experience company and, and understand that the experience goes through the whole transaction. We see uh, a lot of that same I'll call it um, thinking, really evolving in the B2B channel as well. And uh, the experiences that consumers have in their personal lives as, as consumers, they take into the workplace. So that more and more we're seeing B2B selling contexts. And I talk about them, they become much more like consumer selling contexts. And it's interesting that the things that you think of as B2B, I mean, it's not like industrial equipment necessarily being sold, but all the things that happen in a, in a normal business context, I need more software for my client, for my new employees, you know, and then I got to load the stuff up on their computers or, you know, I need to buy supplies or I need to buy spare parts or whatever it is. Those experiences are being much more driven and informed by the buyer's consumer experience than they have historically been by their their work experience and their those those buyers are expecting the same kind of thing. So, I would the last thing I would say is not neglecting the experience in the you know the consumer experience in the B two B context because we're seeing some explosive growth there as well as people begin to move away from traditional B two B selling channels and into uh, new global markets. 
Well, thank you, Adam, for joining us. I really appreciate it. But for those of you listening, you can find any of our episodes anywhere to listen to podcasts. But we also have a ebook with Digital River uh, about localization and entering new markets. So you can find that on either of our websites. Thank you. Thanks, Shannon.